Good morning. Who here is uh, here for the first time or the second time or anybody? Some new people? Matthew, here for the first time? Um, so I thought I'd just introduce myself. My name is Ian. Uh, I use the pronouns he, him. And I've been uh, practicing at Brooklyn Zen Center since its beginning in 2005. I was, uh, I was close friends with uh, Kosin and Laura, who would be become the founding teachers of Brooklyn Zen Center. So that's how I got into it. And I've kept coming back. Um, I've been uh, a priest since 2016, so uh, six years. Um, my Dharma name is Kido Yuken, which means radiant path, fearless presence. And I currently live in Ancestral Heart, which is our Brooklyn Zen Center's residential temple uh, in upstate. Well, upstate from here. I guess it's anything north of Yonkers is upstate, right? Uh, in Dutchess County, near the village of Millerton. Um, I've been up there for just over two years now. And, but I come to the city at least once a month uh, to come here, to give talks. I think I'll be leading a one-day sit later on in the spring. Um, and up to the point, up before I moved to Ancestral Heart, I, I lived in Brooklyn for most of my adult life, except for some years in Austin, Texas. So, uh, Brooklyn is where I'm from. Like that's what people ask me where I'm from. I'll usually say that for lack of any place else to call home. So the talk I'd like to give today is uh, was inspired by a poem uh, by Ehe Dogen, who is the 13th century uh, founder of, of Soto Zen in, in Japan. He brought that lineage, uh, that tradition from China to Japan in uh, 13th century. So he's one of the, the ancestors in, in our lineage. And he founded a monastery called Eheji, which is still um, active today. So I'd like to read this um, poem, which spoke to me, and perhaps it will to you as well. It's called, the title in English is uh, Poem on the Eyes, Poem on the Eyes Received at Birth. And it's just, uh, it's four lines, a short verse. <clears throat> The village in deep, in deep mountains, 
I entered seeking the way is nowhere but the capital city I've always lived in. The village in deep mountains I entered seeking the way is nowhere but the capital city I've always lived in. And I think the, the reason the poem spoke to me was because of this dichotomy between the village and the city or this remote monastery in the mountains and the city, which is, um, which is a dichotomy in my life. And now something that uh, is um, offered by Brooklyn Zen Center with these two centers. You know, this one here and the one in the in the country. And the and the common interpretation, and I want to thank Yoko. Yoko? Hi. I want to thank Yoko for help in trans in understanding the interpretation of this poem. And the common interpretation that's offered is that uh, is referring to this moment in Dogen's life when he moved his community from Kyoto, this kind of practice place in Kyoto, to a remote monastery um, in, in the mountains, which would become Eheji. And that practicing in the monastery, he kind of uh, found his true home. And the, the word that's translated as capital city is Sato. Is that right? Kyo? Kyo. So Kyoto is capital city. Um, but the idea that's offered in this poem is that uh, going to the mountains, he kind of realized his true home. And that there was something he had to uh, uh, that he was kind of escaping from the distractions of the city and was finally able to find uh, peace at um, at Eheji. And so I'm, I'm going to read something of the, uh, this is uh, a translation from Shuhako Okamura. And the commentary says, this Waka's village in the deep mountains probably refers to the place in Echizen province where Dogen and his Sangha moved from Kyoto. The name Kyoto literally means capital city. Uh, Dogen moved from the capital to the remote mountains to found his new monastery for the genuine study of the practice of the Dharma. And it says, when he moved to the mountains, he discovered that those mountains were the true capital city of the Dharma, where he could focus on studying and practicing with his disciples. And then there's also a note here, in traditional Zen literature, 
capital city refers to the capital of the Tang Dynasty, Chang'an, which also means eternal peace, which is what Ehe means, the name of the temple. So there's a there's some uh, wordplay here. This is often the case with Dogen. Um, so in the spirit of kind of Dogen's playfulness with language, I would like to continue that practice and play a little more with this uh, apparent dichotomy between eternal peace in the mountains and something in the city that perhaps is not eternal peace. The first interpretation that I went to when I read the when I read the verse, the village in deep mountains I entered seeking the way is nowhere but the capital city I've always lived in. Uh, brought up for me, you know, I think a lot of times people think when they go to the monastery, yes, there's this idea, okay, now I'm finally gonna do the serious practice. And I won't have all the distractions that plagued me in the city. You know, and there's, you know, everybody's wearing robes and there's all these ceremonies and your whole day is ritualized. And so there is this sense that, wow, this is really something special. Now I'm on the right track. But uh, it's my experience that after this uh, maybe honeymoon phase, that one comes to see that the same karmic patterns, the same trains of thought that came up in the city while you were sitting zazen are waiting for you there the monastery. You actually haven't left anything behind. It's all there. And it comes up, you know, the scenery is different. Uh, but those same things come up in uh, certainly in Zazen, but also in practice in relationship with the other people at the monastery. Um, and we get to practice it, practice with it again there. Um, so the capital city I've always lived in, it's all right there. And then there's another interpretation, which is uh, kind of the mirror image of that one, um, which is one I'd, I'd like to focus on more today. The village in deep mountains, 
I entered seeking the way is nowhere but the capital city I've always lived in. Also suggests to me that it's possible to enter the village in Deep Mountains right here in Brooklyn. Because it does say it's the capital city I've always lived in. So there's a, there's a suggestion of just immediacy there. Actually no separation from mountain village and capital city. And the, the title of the poem, Poem on the Eyes Received at Birth, refers to uh, a chapter of the Lotus Sutra, chapter 19, where it is uh, just kind of uh, prophesied or suggested that if you, you know, through the practice and devotion to the to the this scripture, the Lotus Sutra, you're able to kind of purify all the senses. So the very eyes, with these very eyes that you're born with, it's possible to awaken through these eyes, through this nose, these hands. Again, that we don't have to wait or uh, for some kind of uh, special insight to practice. That the possibility is available in this lifetime with this body. So again, this is a kind of a promise or a prophecy of what's possible um, anywhere with the body that we have right now. So when I, when I turn the verse that way, this becomes a really uh, uh, kind of encouragement. So what are the, the ways? What are the practices that can reveal the mountain village in the capital city? Um, well, there's zazen, of course, which is something we do here. You sit on a cushion, facing a wall, settling the mind and body in a posture, settling into the breath. Again, not to go anywhere else or leave anything behind, 
but to allow life to arise just as it is. To be there for life as it, as it is rising. So a thought comes up, we don't have to push it away. Just notice it, just notice that arising. And in that noticing, we're here, we're present. There's a little bit of, there's a hair's breadth of bats, bat wings of space around this thought. And something's opened up just here. And there's also a sense um, of returning home that comes along that can come along with that, of familiarity. Our body is always and ever present. And in Zazen, when we can, even for a moment, let go, you know, open the hand of thought and let it move on. And again, feel the body. There's a sense of we're here, where I always was. In the capital city I've always lived in. There's, uh, and in Zen, this is called intimacy. And over time, through this practice of returning to the capital city and returning there's a warmth there stillness of not grasping the elements of our experience, but letting them arise. There's a stillness there. Which reveals mountain village in the capital city. Uh, the practice of zazen in our tradition is called shikantaza, usually translated as just sitting.
returning over and over again to the body sitting. And then our life is just there. An old friend. And another way, I was thinking of another, other uh, ways of framing this uh, revelation of stillness in the midst of the city in the midst of the marketplace, they might say, is through uh, the practice of ritual, which is another thing that we do here. We have all these rituals and what we call forms. So there's a way that, there's this prescribed way that we bow when we enter the room, we bow before we take our seat, Later today, we'll do a service with bowing and chanting and offerings. And these forms, one of the uh, potentialities of these forms and rituals Uh, I would like to suggest is a, uh, in a certain way of, uh, you could say, uh, purifying the senses in the same way that the Lotus Sutra talks about purifying the eyes and the ears through acts of devotion. All these um, forms are ways of kind of recalibrating the body towards presence or into presence. And Tia, who is my root teacher, used to talk about ceremonies as celebrations of presence. So you're going about your life in Brooklyn and then you, come, you decide to come here Saturday morning and you walk into this ordinary room where there's cushions lined up and there's this uh, request that you stop and you do this, this motion, putting the hands together level with a nose and doing this bow, we call gasho bow, palms join. And in the moment of doing that, there's a, uh, perhaps there's a moment of stopping. Whatever was kind of going on in your 
mind, whatever thought train you had going on, whatever story you were in the midst of elaborating, for one moment, you have to stop and do this. And maybe all kinds of things will come up. Why am I doing this? I hate doing this. Oh, I like doing this. This is cool. And this is the Zen I was waiting for. But we do this. The body does this movement. And there's a space that opens up. And we might all of a sudden see the story that we had just been elaborating in a flash. We see it kind of illuminated in the, in the moment of non-grasping that the ritual invites. You see the story and for a moment it falls to the ground. And in chanting, Uh, similar alchemy can happen. All of a sudden we are using our throat, our mouths in a new way. We might be used to talking, but now we're invited to chant and to maybe chant something that's unfamiliar. And also to, as we say in Zen, chant with your ears. So you're chanting, but you're also listening to everybody else and trying to blend. So our mouths and our throats are engaging in this practice, this communal practice. With others. And all our articulators, the tongue, the teeth, larynx. Which are so often employed to give voice to our thought and our views are now repurposed for something else that we're doing with others. And the sheer repetition of that starts to work on the body. So there's a healing wholeness that can come from these uh, ritual activities. I've been reading this book uh, by Zenju Earthland Manual called The Shamanic Bones of Zen. And she speaks of this um, really clearly. Rituals and ceremonies are to be lived your own bones must be rattled. We don't need to figure anything out. We can allow the practice to work on us rather than working the practice.
Zen for me, this is her, this is uh, her speaking. Zen for me has something to do with using the physicality of life to use form, which is to use the body to experience the unseen and invisible dimensions of life. Unseen and, and invisible, but yet here all the time. Capital city I've always lived in. Now like lived in for the first time deeply, deeply familiar. So that's something we offer here on Saturdays, these regular weekly uh, celebrations of presence via Zazen, via forms, um, via ritual and tea. And during the week, we offer their online sazen periods in the morning, which is a um, one way of bringing these ceremonies of presence into the home. And and that is one thing about like living in in the monastery is it really. Um, Uh, makes me aware of all the possible ways that one can adorn one's daily life with ritual as a way of, again, revealing the mountain village in our daily lives. So... This can take many, many forms. Sitting at home, you know, perhaps online with others, or perhaps with others in the room, making rituals out of washing the dishes, brushing your teeth, going to the bathroom. At the monastery, you know, we bow before we go to the bathroom, we bow when we come out. And so our the senses come alive in a new way when we're, when we can begin to adorn the habitual with the ritual. But I would like this talk to be an invitation and an encouragement to um, to break down the dichotomy of Mountain Village and Capital City. Not that you all shouldn't at some point visit Ancestral Heart, because it does have its unique particularities and and yes, there is something different about being there, about being here.
And there's something very familiar and not different at the same time. Both of those things, as is common in Zen, both of those things are simultaneously true. That we're not going to escape our karma somehow by uh, leaving it in a storage space here and going to the monastery. So thank you very much for your attention. All right. Thank you again so much. This has been really fun. May our intention equally penetrate every... Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.